You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Good morning, Awaken Church. It is so wonderful to have you tuned in with us this morning. Man, have I got a powerful word for you. Uh, right now, obviously, there's, you know, the lifting and the looking to lift and each state's making its decisions on how fast we're going to come out of this. Uh, but there's still levels of isolation and quarantine and everything else. I want you to know that all the way through the Bible, you're going to find that God is not uh, a foreigner when it comes to dealing with isolation. In fact, all the way through Scripture, God is present in what we see as isolation, and He transforms our isolation into a power place where He brings things out. The Israelites were isolated. God brought them out. Moses was isolated in the back blocks of the desert, looking after Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep, and he has an encounter with God. Just a young shepherd boy, a young shepherd. In fact, a guy with a checkered past. He committed murder back in Egypt is in Horeb, isolated, in a place of isolation, social distancing. What comes out of Horeb? The warrior of God, the deliverer of God. Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den, isolation. What comes out? A guy that is promoted and an entire nation is told that there is no other God that serves like him. God is good with isolation. God wants to bring. So that's the time my message this morning, what God brings out of isolation. Come with me in the Scriptures to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke chapter 3, we're going to be reading from verse 1. It says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Idaria and the region of Trachonitis, Lysanias the tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas was, and Caiaphas were the high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. I just want you to stop right there. Stop right there. So while the, the, while the Caesars are Caesaring, while the pilots are piloting, governing, while the Herods are Tetrarch of Galilee, while Philip and Lysanias, uh, Annas and Caiaphas, the high priests, the Bible says the Word of God came to John in the wilderness. The Word of God came from John. Let me just show you what happened. God, whenever He changes the world always does it with a word that is released from heaven. When God releases a word from heaven, the equilibrium of life on this planet is altered. Everything shifts. When God said, let there be light, everything shifted. When God said, let there be a firmament, everything shifted. When God said, let dry land appear, dry land appeared. When God said, let the seas be gathered, the seas were gathered. When God said, let the ground produce, the ground produced. When God said, it was so. When God said, it was so. For God to save mankind, He sent His Word into the world. Everything shifts when God releases a Word. Now here's the thing. When God releases a Word from heaven, He is always looking for a recipient on earth. When the Word is dispensed from heaven, God is always looking for a landing pad here on earth. God is always looking for a human heart that will take that Word 
and put that Word and treasure that Word, honour that Word, value that Word and then amen that Word. That's what God is looking for. So here God is wanting to bring a deliverer. God is wanting to bring transformation in Israel. So He sends His Word out. And there's a guy who, his name is Tiberius. He's the Caesar. He's, he's ruling the entire empire at that time. But he don't got no time. He's too busy for the Word of God. So the Word of God comes to him and has to pass over. So then it goes to Pontius Pilate, who's governor. And it sees a man who's filled with all kinds of conflict. He doesn't have time for the Word of God because the Word of God's going to cost him. Maybe it'll cost him his office. Maybe if he if he embraces the Word of God, he'll 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 he won't be voted in or or truth or or he'll have to change some of the policies and some of the things, some of the bribe money that he's taking. So he's got no room for the Word of God. Then the Word of God probably went to Philip and Lysanias and 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 the other governors of the region, and they had no time. They had no place for the Word of God. How sad that even Anna. And Caiaphas, the high priest, when the Word of God came hovering over them, it did not find a heart that valued the Word of God. Well, that's a little bit judgmental. No, no, no. Let me tell you, you shall know them by their fruit because the Word became flesh and dwelt among them and they recognised Him not. They valued Him not. They cherished Him not. In fact, they handed Him over to be crucified. They chanted, crucify Him. They had no value for the Word of God. So the Word of God has to leave the citadel. It has to leave the region and it goes flying out, goes out into a wilderness. What's in the wilderness? A man by the name of John, John the baptizer. He's baptizing people in the Jordan River. He's out there in the wilderness. But here is a man who's in isolation. But the word of the Lord comes to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness and everything changes. When the word of God comes to John, it goes from just a crazy, crazy guy who eats locusts and wild honey, a crazy guy. All of a sudden, John becomes a messenger of God. Have a look what it says. It says, and, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance and the remission of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make His path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain brought low, the crooked places made straight, the rough way smooth, and all flesh shall, shall see the salvation of God. It says that the multitudes came out to be baptized for Him from all the surrounding regions, from Judea, Samaria, all Israel, all Jerusalem. They weren't crossing the streets anymore to go into the synagogues. The synagogues had sermons, but there wasn't a word. This man in a wilderness, no air conditioning, no shade cloths, no, no running water, no seats, no fancy synagogues, no, none of that. He's out in the wilderness, but the people were flocking to the wilderness because he had a Word of God. I wanna give you three things that God is gonna bring out of your isolation. The first one is your isolation becomes a place of consecration. It becomes a place of consecration. My, my youth team said to me, hey, 
What do we do in this isolation? How do we avoid temptation? I says, very simple. Turn your isolation into a consecration. Turn it into a Bible college. Right now I'm reading more than I've ever read. I'm listening to more than I've ever listened to. I, I feel like I've had the greatest sabbatical of growth just from the fact that I can't go here and I can't go there and I can't do this and I can't do that. It forced me, but I ain't gonna sit around and just watch Hollywood all day, Holly weird all day. Instead, I've decided that I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna press in, I'm gonna download audible books, I'm gonna finish reading some books, I'm gonna start some books. I found that I've had the greatest growth in this season. Turn your isolation into a place of consecration. It'll help you clarify what's really important. We decided right now that what's really important is not the virtual reality that we have on our mobile phones. We'd go to restaurants. We'd go even out with people. Hey, I just got to check this. Hey, I just got to do that. Oh, I just got to see someone just put a post on my social media and we'd miss. Now we're realizing, oh my gosh, in a virtual world, in an online Zoom and FaceTime, and that's the only way we can communicate, we are realizing how important it is to have face-to-face interactions with our kids. We've stopped watching just movies and games. We're playing board games. We're playing card games. We're having interaction again. A place of consecration will redefine what's important in your life. And what's most important is people. What's most important is relationships. Mission, purpose, identity will come to you. John goes out into the wilderness, but the Word of the Lord finds him in his isolation because he turns an isolation into a consecration. As he starts crying out to God, can I encourage you? Start crying out to God. Start listening to the Bible. If, if you find it hard to read the Bible, do what I did for many years and just get the audio Bible. You can, you can download it for free these days and start listening to the Bible. Start listening to sermons. Go online, go onto our, our website, www.awakenchurch.com and have a look in our archives. There are so many messages. If you're struggling relationships, download a relationship. If you're struggling financially, download Moneyopoly. There are so many great messages you can listen to that'll help you to flourish and help you to grow. Turn your isolation into consecration because it is amazing what is born in consecration. A voice crying in the wilderness, a prophet. Jesus refers to John. He says about John the Baptist, there is no greater prophet that has arisen from the daughters of men other than John the Baptist until this time. John the Baptist becomes one of the greatest. In Luke chapter 1, verse 80, it says that John the Baptist grew and uh, he became strong in spirit, but he was in the deserts until the day of his manifestation to Israel. He was in isolation. He was in, I want you to notice it says deserts, plural. He was in the deserts, plural. He was in isolation until the day of His manifestation. Right now, we don't do well with isolation. But can I tell you, in your isolation, God wants to turn it into a consecration because there's something that He's wanting to manifest. There's something He wants to reveal. There are things that God can only get your attention to when you're isolated. The Bible says Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and into the solitary, the lonely places. Solitary is where we get the word isolate, solitary. Jesus went into solitary places. Why? So we could get clarity. So we could hear from God right now. All the distractions, 
all the discombobulations are out of your life. God wants to turn your isolation into a consecration. Don't let Holly Weird hijack this moment so you get bored and end up watching junk that only corrupts and dilutes and pollutes your soul. Instead, press into God, read books, begin to let the Spirit of God speak to you. If you're meant to be a business leader, if you're meant to be an influencer, if you're meant to be someone who shapes politics or, or creates, are, are you listening? Are you downloading those things? Are you reading those things? Are you watching podcasts on those things? Are you Lean into what God has called. Let your consecration become not just isolation, let your isolation become consecration. Number two, your isolation becomes a place of revelation. Your, your isolation becomes a place of revelation. See, what's interesting is they ask John, they say to John, are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? He says, no, I'm not. Then are you the prophet? And they say, he says, no, the, the one that Moses talked about, a prophet will arise like me. No, that's not me either. Both of those are the Messiah. They said, well, then who are you then? And John says, I am, I am a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the paths of God. Can I tell you in my life, every time I've retreated, my isolations became places of powerful revelation. When I was 19, I was working for BHP Steel in Australia, training to be a mechanical engineer. And I begged God when we finished our first year of training, I begged God that He wouldn't send me to the, the machine shops. The machine shops had seven day shift work. We worked seven days, had three days off. Worked seven nights, had four days off. Worked seven evenings, had uh, uh, two days off. And it was this, and so you ended up with one weekend off every month. Well, of all the places that I ended up, I ended up in the flipping machine shop. The very one place I asked God not to send me, that's where I ended up. Man, I hated it. For the first month, I was angry. I was depressed. I was miserable because my friends would call me saying, hey, we got, I said, I can't come this weekend. I have to work all weekend. And it was so bad because one week we'd do all night shifts from 11 p.m. till 7 in the morning. The next week we'd be doing day shifts from 7 in the morning till 3.30 in the afternoon. Then the next week we'd be doing evening shifts from 3.20 to 11.20. It was changing every week. So there was nothing constant. After about two months, my friends stopped calling me. Nobody, nobody bothered to reach out. I lost all my friends. I desperately wanted a girlfriend. There was no chance I could even have a relationship. I was lonely. I had nothing else but God, had nothing else but God. And so all I did was I just poured myself into God. I would finish a night shift at 7.20. I had my surfboard in the car. I'd drive down the beach and surf and I'd be listening to the Bible. I'd be listening to worship. I'd get there. I'd come in from the surf and I'd read my Bible till I'd fall asleep on the beach. But I got to tell you, I look back over those 14 months. They were the greatest 14 months because in those 14 months, God removed every other distraction from my life so that my isolation became a season of revelation. God began to reveal to me, it was in that time that He revealed to me, I'm calling you into the ministry. I'm calling you to serve me. I'm calling you to when you finish this, you're not to go and complete mechanical engineering. You're to leave here and you're to, you're to go to Bible school. You're to get equipped. You're to get empowered. You're to get, you're to get trained. John the Baptist is in the wilderness. He knows that he's not meant to be a Pharisee. He knows that he's not meant to, to be just a, a, a priest like, like his daddy was, Zacharias. He feels that there's something different. There's, there's something unconventional about him. 
There's something rogue almost about him. He's a pioneer. The Bible says his food was locusts and wild honey and he's in the wilderness to the day of his manifestation. But what's interesting is that both his mother, Elizabeth, and his father, Zacharias, are both of the lineage, both of them of the lineage of Aaron. Aaron was the priest. Aaron's tribe, Aaron's family were the priestly nation. The priest's job, the the Aaronic job of the priesthood was to present the lamb on Yom Kippur that would be the, the lamb that would provide atonement, that would be the lamb for atonement. That was the job of the priest, of the priesthood to present the lamb. Well, John the Baptist, we know he comes baptizing in the Jordan River. And then one day he looks and up on the banks, waiting on the banks to come in, he looks up and all of a sudden that anointing, that spirit and years of Bible history, years of genealogy catches up with a revelation that it came to him in the wilderness. And now all of a sudden he points his finger right through the crowd and everybody turns to see the direction to which John is pointing. And he says, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. What did John did? He fulfilled Bible story. He fulfilled Bible history. He fulfilled genealogy. He was the one who presented to the world the Lamb who would be the Yom Kippur, who would be the atonement who would be the one who would die for the sins so that the world could be forgiven and free. John fulfilled his destiny. Revelation came out of that. I want you to understand maybe right now you're in a season of isolation. Don't be so focused by fear. Right now there are so many people, oh my gosh, you know, our business, our restaurant, our, our hotel, our hospitality business. Right, right now we've lost job. We've had to lay staff off. We've had to lay people off. Do you know it's so easy just to look at the door that's closed It's so easy to look at at what is shut down. Can I tell you, God never allows one door to shut without opening another one. Can I tell you, friend, right now, don't shrink back from tithing. When you bring your tithe, God opens the windows of heaven. You may say, yeah, but my provision from earth, my job, my career, there's furloughs, I got laid off. You know, they're pulling back, they're cutting back stuff. Well, that's, that's, that's a deal. Don't let what is happening on earth cause you to be silly enough to block what's in heaven. When you bring your tithe, when you bring your 10% to God, God opens the windows of heaven. There was a gentleman, his name was Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hawthorne. And in a time of devastation and, and economic hardship, he was let go from his job. On his way traveling home, he thought, how am I gonna tell my wife? I got a wife and kids. He even thought of possibly ending his life. When he came home, his wife could see something was wrong. He was home early. She says, what's the matter, darling? He says, well, I got fired. I I got let go from my job. I, I don't know how I'm gonna provide. I don't know if we're even gonna be able to keep our lodgings. She says, you know what? Good. She took him by the hand and she led him to the bedroom. Beside the bed, at their bedside table was a drawer. She opened the drawer and it was filled with money. He says, what's all this? She says, Nathaniel, you need to write. I've watched you write. I know your passion is writing. Your job was what you did, but that's not who you are. You're meant to be a writer. I knew that one day you would write and you're gonna write a bestseller. So from the housekeeping money you gave me every week, I've been saving up, I've got enough for a year to live on. 
I want you to go and write, go and write that best-selling book. It was like wind in his sails, a wife that so believed in him, a wife that saw more than just a worker at a job, a wife that saw a calling when one door shut, another one opened. Thank God he got fired because had Nathaniel Hawthorne not have got fired, one of the greatest literary novels to ever come out of the United States, The Scarlet Letter, would have never been written. But he got fired from one job. When that door closed, God had another one. Friend, where are your eyes? Are your eyes on the door that's closed? Or is your eyes on the door that God is opening? God will never leave you without an open door. God will never leave you without an opportunity. You may be in isolation, but isolation is not just a place of consecration. It's a place of revelation. Let God reveal to you who you are and what you're meant to do and what you're meant to be. In Jesus' Name, can somebody say Amen? Amen. Number three. Number three, we're going to finish on this point. Your isolation becomes a place of transformation. Your isolation becomes a place of transformation. All the way through the Scriptures, God is familiar with. He is a friend of. In fact, He does His finest work in isolation. In isolation. A seed is removed from its fruit. It's removed from the orange. It's removed from the apple. And then it is isolated. It is taken and it is put into the soil and it is buried over and it is now isolated in darkness. It is alone. It is buried. It is overcome. It is dark. It is confined. But until a seed goes into the ground, it'll remain a single seed. But watch this. It goes into isolation, isolated. It goes into isolation, excuse me, Individual, It goes in there a seed, but it doesn't come out the way it went in. It goes in as a seed, but it comes out as a life-giving tree, as a life-giving plant. A seed goes into a woman's womb, but it's not a seed that comes out. It's a child. It's a human being with a destiny that comes out. Moses, as a little baby, goes into Egypt. Pharaoh made a decree that every male child that's of the Hebrews is to be killed. But... Pharaoh's daughter's like, oh, come on, Daddy. Not this one, Daddy. Come on, look at him. He's so cute. Well, what possible harm can come? And Pharaoh thinks, yeah, he's just a little baby, just a little infant. What harm can it be? Okay, darling, you can keep him as your little pet. He had no idea that God in isolation, what goes in is not what comes out. A little baby went into Egypt, but a mighty deliverer came out of Egypt. It was a little baby that went in to a manger, born of a virgin in a manger in the tiniest little town of Bethlehem in Judea. But what went in wasn't what came out. What came out was the Saviour of all mankind. I need you to understand that what goes in is not what comes out. A family, a family of a guy called Yachov, Jacob, goes in to Egypt, 70 in all. But what emerges 400 years later is a nation of Israel. What goes in is not what comes out. What has gone into isolation is not what's coming out. Friend, I want you to know, and I'm prophesying right now, what is coming out of this isolation is not what went in. A seed went in, a shell went in, a child went in, a fearful person went in, but a warrior is coming out, a deliverer is 
coming out. A king and a conqueror is coming out. A, a pioneer is coming out. An author is coming out. A filmmaker is coming out. One will influence politics is coming out. One who change legislation is coming out. A powerhouse minister is coming out. A prophet is coming out. A business leader is coming out. A great educator is coming out. What went into isolation is not what comes out. God does His greatest work in isolation. A, a, a little, a little uh, grub, a worm, a caterpillar goes into isolation. It goes into isolation. It goes into a cocoon. But in that cocoon, something happens because a worm doesn't come out, a caterpillar doesn't come out, a butterfly comes out because what goes into isolation is not what comes out of isolation. The devil's a liar. He wants you to believe that, that less than you is gonna come out, a weaker version of you or the, at the very best, the same version. Let, let, uh, let God be true and every man a liar. You're coming out with power. You're coming out transformed a better version of you, a mightier version of you. You're coming out strong. You're coming out full of faith. You're coming out full of hope. You're coming out more equipped. You're coming out better. Lean into the Word of God. Friend, in this season of transformation, don't feed yourself on the fear and hopelessness that is in the world. Feed yourself on the Word of God. Lean in, listen to podcasts. Get the Word of God in you because God wants to do a work of transformation in your isolation so that the devil will rue the day that he ever sent COVID-19 to the shores of the United States of America. The devil will rue the day that this coronavirus hit your land because you went into isolation. But what came out of isolation was transformed by the power of God. The Bible says that that which is born of God overcomes the world. You were created to be an overcomer. This is your season. God does His finest work in isolation. Don't be afraid of isolation. God is bringing you out. Come on, if you believe that, give God a shout right now. Come on, give Him a praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we bless you, Lord. Friend, that's all the time we've got. All the time we've got. Everything begins with you giving your life to Christ. Everything begins with you making a decision. I'm gonna surrender to Jesus. Stop running from God, start running to God. Stop blaming God and start turning to God. Stop, stop rejecting His Word, start receiving His Word and see what God can do in your life. I want you to make a decision today and we wanna help you, we wanna equip you. All you gotta do is text the words, I responded, I responded to 555-888, I responded. We're gonna get you a Bible and a following Jesus book. We're gonna look after you. But make that decision today. Maybe you're away from God, come back. Maybe you once knew God. Well, it's time to know Him again. Maybe you grew up with religion and you know what? That's not a bad thing. There's many wonderful things, but I need you to understand Jesus didn't hang on a cross because God thought the world could do with a little more religion. Jesus didn't die for religion. He died to repair a broken relationship between you and God. That's why Jesus died, so that you could have a relationship with God, so your sins can be forgiven, that all the shame and the guilt that clouds our lives, that chokes the life of God in us could be washed away. So friend, pray this prayer with me right now. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank You right now. You so love me. You sent Jesus, Your only Son, to die on the cross to take away my sin. Lord Jesus, thank You that You so love me, that You rescued me, so that today I am forgiven. I am clean. Every hold the devil had over my life is broken. I am a child of God. Heaven is my home. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We just so love you. God bless you. Let me tell you, when you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, there is no greater shepherd. There is no greater master. There is no greater leader. He's got you in the palm of His hand. Let Him navigate and chart your life. You won't regret. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.